Wow. I wrote a quote in the back there. I said, the safest place to be is in the will of God and at a church where the altars are surrounded by men lifting holy hands up to the Lord. Amen? Wow. Listen, I go through, I go through some major changes during the week, man. This switch, the switch on that unit broke and the thermostat's not working on there. And, and I have all these headaches going on. There's always something going on. And sometimes it gets overwhelming. And sometimes I get fed up and I, and I just get, man, like, it, but when I stand in the back here during a, on a Sunday morning during worship, I understand why all hell would come against this building. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so let it break. Let it. We'll fix it. Amen. Well, who cares? I just got to remind myself that come Monday. <laughs> amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. And even now, God, I just pray that you would just soften hearts. Even now, Lord God, that, that, that you would move among us, God, that there would be miracles even right now in, 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 in individual seats, Lord God. That, you, that, the, that that thing which you have ordained, which you have caused to be, that it would come to pass right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We... Um, let me start with this quote. We just, we really been getting, has anybody been doing their, uh, their Bible reading? You've been following that? All right. All right. If you don't know what that is, just check out our website. Open your Bible apps. Download the quarterly New Testament. We're going through the whole New Testament on our own at home so that throughout, by the end of the year, you've gone through the whole New Testament on your own. Amen? Because that's what mature believers do. Here's the quote for this morning, the one that I had ready, not the one that, you know. We do not read the Bible the way it is. We read it the way we are. I read this, this late, this, the person was giving a testimony and they said this, there are parts of the Bible that inspire, parts that perplex, parts that leave you with an open wound. I'm still wrestling and like Jacob, I'll wrestle until I'm blessed because God hasn't let go of me yet. Amen. Amen. If you're just joining us and, or if you missed last week, uh, we started a, a new series last week, and what we're doing is we're going to go through, we're going to follow God's people. We've gone through the book of Judges, and we're going to follow God's people, Israel, through the Old Testament up into the resurrection. Through the Old Testament all the way up into the resurrection, and we're going to try to get that lined up by Easter Sunday. Amen? Because right, right now, this is what, what, I'm, what I'm up against, kind of. Um, there's a school of thought in church movements today that say you shouldn't be teaching the Old Testament. You should only be teaching New Testament theology. For those of you that don't know, the Bible's divided into two. It's an Old Testament and a New Testament, right? Um, 
And so they're saying we should only be teaching New Testament theology, that, that, the, that people don't want to be bothered with the history. They don't need to know the history and how we got here. Oh, you should just teach people what they need to be saved. Teach people what they need to be believers in Christ, and, and that's all that matters. And for today, for millennials, for, for this time, for this culture, for our time, that's the only thing that's relevant. And on one hand, I'll say, yeah, if, if I only had one chance, one encounter with you, that's exactly what you would need. And that's why every Sunday from this pulpit, you'll hear the good news of the gospel in one way, shape, or form Every, every week. You'll hear it again, every week. But I believe personally, there's something about knowing the whole story. Anybody with me? There's something about knowing the story behind the story. Maybe I'm just an averiguao. Maybe I'm just nosy. Maybe I just, I want to know more, you know. But, but I want to know how things got to how things got. And I want to know if I'm doing something, why I should be doing what I'm doing. If you're with me, you're in the right place today. The good news is powerful. The fact that God so loved the world that he gave his son that whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life, that's life-changing. I have a tattoo arm sleeve. That's God so loved the world, John 3.16. Because it's so powerful. That's, that's, that's it. That's what we need. Amen? But all the more so, when you understand why did he have to die? You ever ask yourself that question? It, it, why was a sacrifice needed in the first place? And if this was the last sacrifice, what was the first sacrifice? See, without the Old Testament, you can't understand the imagery. And you, you just cry. Thank you. Good job. And so what, what I want to do today, I want to unpack that a little bit. If, if, if you, hopefully you, you can kind of stick with me for the next couple hours. I just want to unpack that a little bit. And, and I want you to, to understand the imagery. And, and, and please um, bear with me a minute. It might feel a little dark. It might feel a little uncomfortable. Because in our culture, we'll, we'll, but, but, but the thing is, we'll never appreciate what we have unless we understand what it costs. Isn't that true in regular and everything? You'll never appreciate what you have until you understand what it costs. And so, so to get to the first side, we got to go all the way back to Genesis. First book in the Bible, amen? If you're brand new to all of this, Genesis is the first book in the Bible. And so when, when man fell, doing the, the one thing that God asked him not to do, after the deception, after the fall, they found themselves separated from God. The, the Bible says instantly, once they took the fruit, their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked and they were ashamed. So the first religion started that day in the garden. They made clothes out of fig leaves to cover themselves. But when they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden, the word says, they found that their covering was inadequate and it couldn't stand before God and so they hid. I, 
Can you imagine for a moment being, having such a relationship with God that you know his footprints? That you know the sound of the Lord walking in the garden? Now, I mean, just picture this place. This is the Garden of Eden. There are every animal. There's every wildlife. There's, there's, there's every. And, and they were able to differentiate, to understand, and to identify the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Because they had such a closeness with God. And so when they heard the sound of the Lord, they realized their, their covering was inadequate. And so, as the word says, they, they hid. Church, there will be a day when people will hear the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. And they'll realize that everything they trusted in, all the extra nonsense they've believed in, every false doctrine and theology that sets itself up against the knowledge of God is inadequate. And, and when they hear the sound of the Lord running, walking in the garden, will you run or will you hide? Will you run towards it or will you hide? God calls them. God says, where are you? Now, when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know. He just wants you to examine yourself. He didn't know. Adam wasn't doing such a great job of hiding behind a fig tree that God couldn't see him. I mean, imagine, like what kind of, imagine I'm hiding from God. And once Adam deals with them and said, what have you done? He said, we realized we were naked and so we hid. And, and so he deals with all that. And, and so, and, and the word says in Genesis 3.21, And the Lord God clothed Adam and his wife with garments made from the skins of animals. See, they, they had a need that their fig tree religion didn't provide adequate covering enough. They felt ashamed, they felt inadequate, they felt unworthy, they were afraid, and they hid. They had a need, and what did God do? He covered it. He covered it. Think about what's implied here for a moment, because you can't take the skins of animals and then say, run along now, skinless animals. What's implied there? Something had to die. God had already warned them from the beginning. I've given you all of this. I've given you everything you could need for love and for life and and to to, to do. I've given you all of this. But if you eat that, you're going to die. If you eat that, you're going to die. And if you walk in disobedience, you'll surely die. I don't want this for you. I've provided everything to keep you from this. But the wages of sin equals death. Disobedience comes with a cost. See, rebellious man today says, I don't have to listen to anybody. Well, neither did Adam and Eve. That's the beauty of free will. 
You can be sitting there. So I don't have to. Le- I don't have to listen to any. No, you don't. You didn't have to come here today. I don't know why you're sitting here. Neither did they. But disobedience comes with a cost. And they had to learn from the beginning that sin couldn't be covered over by whatever is available at the moment, whatever you find to make yourself feel better. Yeah, it's going to get quiet here. So, so, so when they did it, they immediately saw that they were naked. The, the, the minute that they, that they bit the, the passion fruit, right? Everybody thinks it's an apple, but the word doesn't say apple. I think it's a passion fruit because I hate passion fruit. I think that's why God made passion fruit stink so bad, just to, to be a deterrent. But no, the minute that they ate from it, they realized that they were naked. Now, wait up. They've been naked since the beginning, and it's been all gravy. See, God said, I've given you everything for life, and apparently God thought you don't need clothes. Say, God's a good God. And the men said? And he told them, and, and what was God's commands? Be fruitful and multiply. I mean, come on, that's what I'm talking about. Come on. Apparently, he said, he, I mean, God made everything so perfect. The air had the right mixture of oxygen. I mean, I don't have to get into all that, but every single thing, every tree, every fruit-bearing tree, everything you could want, everything you could see to your eye for, ple- for pleasure, for everything, and you're naked. But the second that they disobeyed, they realized they were naked. And what they really realized is that they were uncovered. See, by stepping out of God's will for their lives, they walked out from under the covering. And they, at, at first they, they, they thought it was their physical nakedness that was the problem, but, and so they grabbed what they could to cover up to provide a covering for their nakedness, but that covering was inadequate in the presence of God. Have you ever, I used to watch The Walking Dead. Who watches The Walking Dead? For you don't know, it's a show about, you know, the apocalypse and zombies and there's zombies walking around and, and right, okay. That, that's right, bro. But, but they, they discovered in The Walking Dead, it was season two or three or six, I don't know, that, that if you smeared yourself with dead man stuff, They discovered that if you put on dead man's clothes and you smeared yourself with dead man's stuff, that you could walk among them and not be detected. How many know what I'm talking about? If you watch the show, you, you, you know, right? So, so in these zombies, they found out that if you put dead man's stuff on you, if you smell like them and look like them, you could walk among them and not be detected. See, that's what religion does. Religion says if you can dress like them and talk like them and walk like them, then you can get by as one of them. See, we live in church, this is, may, may sound crazy, but we're living in a time of spiritual apocalypse. We're nothing but walking dead people who, who think they can provide a covering for themselves and be right with God. 
And, and, and people think, oh, if I meditate, I can be one with God. And if I do good things, if I do enough good, if I just think positive, and, and if I just think good, good, then, then God comes to me. You don't hear the nonsense I hear all day at, at work. I don't work here. I work at a regular job. <laughs> this I do for fun. And, and, and so they think, people think, or, or on the other side, people think, well, if I follow rules, if I follow laws, if I, if I own, if I do through good works, if I do enough good, I can be right with God. Some people think that by eating certain things or not eating certain things, by meeting on a certain day or not meeting on a certain day, they can stand righteous before a holy God. But they're just walking in dead man's clothes. Just because religion allows you to walk along among yourselves and be accepted and you think we have to be accepted by God. But God is holy. And God said, I've made a way for you to walk with me. But there's one way. There's one way. Listen, too many preachers are watering this down today. There is one way. And he said, oh, but you, so, so then you're talking against every other religion? I'm not talking about every religion is wrong. If this is a religion, it's wrong. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And then, and then wait, wait, wait. And then he gave himself all these other names just in case we was dumb. He said, I'm the door. I'm the gate to the sheep. You, I don't know how you get in your house. I use the door. <laughs> the scripture says anybody that comes in any other way is a thief and a liar. So God says, I've made a way for you. On, on the flip of that, many people think, well, if I don't believe in God, then I'm not accountable to God. It's like if you don't believe in gravity, you can jump off buildings. The word tells us in Romans 1.20, watch this, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. What is that saying? That means creation testifies to the existence and the goodness of God. Creation tells you that, not church, not the Bible, not creation tells you, testifies to the goodness. The colors on a fish, the stripes on an animal, the mane of a lion, a baby being born, the 1.7 million nerve endings in your eye. 1.7 million nerve fibers in the human eye. To think that that happened by accident through evolution, you're, you got more faith than anybody in this place. There's some things in the human body that had to work right out the gate. Right? People can say, well, you know, we've evolved and so we get stronger, we get this and we get this. No, it, evolution makes things simpler, not more complex. If you know anything about science. Evolution makes things simpler, not more complex. So that means a lot of stuff would have fallen off of our bodies to make things simpler, not more complicated. 
So we don't get from, we, we only see light and dark, with, and then the eyes all of a sudden we get 1.7 million nerve endings, and now we see 4K. Like, wow. <laughs> For something to evolve, it has to continue to live. And so the whole reaper, I don't want to get into too much graphic here because the five and six-year-olds are here. But, but you know, um, the, the reproduction stuff, that had to work right off the bat. So that didn't have time to evolve because if it didn't work right off the bat, then there's nothing living to evolve. You, you, I, I mean, is this? I don't think you need a Ph.D. for that, right? So, so since the beginning, people have tried to dismiss God, to find God, to prove God, to please God, and even to be God. But when we study the Old Testament, we get this picture, this understanding. We see the prophetic nature and the improbability of, of someone from, from this time writing about something which he hasn't seen yet and describing exactly how and why it'll happen as if he's already been there. Do you understand, like, the Bible wasn't written by one person at one time. If it was, man, that would be an amazing story. That's great. You could say this person is really, like, wow, incredible. They knew how to craft a story and build characters. But, but it was written by, it's put together by different authors at different time periods in different places, and yet it tells one complete story perfectly. Right from the start... God provided a covering for us to remain reconciled to him, to remain in relationship with him. But, but for that covering, something had to die. Okay, here's where we're going to get into this here. And even if you look at the covering in the natural, it was temporary. Right? The clothes which came at the sacrifice of the animal provided a temporary covering. Right? Because if you know women, women are not going to wear the same outfit for 90 years. Even if it was leather. So, so the clothes that God made for them, there was a temporary covering. And the word, the word for covering, the word the Bible uses, which is a beautiful word, is atonement. Atonement. I love the word. It, it means at one meant. It's, it's the, setting, uh, the setting at one of two who have been estranged. So atonement brings two people together at one uh, who have been separated. So sin has separated, and, and so the purpose of atonement is to overcome the consequences of sin and, and, and bring people at one, namely us and God. Amen? So as we walk through these historical books of the Old Testament, we'll see that there were all kinds of sacrifices and, and offerings that provided atonement, just like, like Adam and Eve's clothes, they were temporary coverings. And so the Jewish people were given many different sacrifices and offerings and rules to offer up that would give them this temporary atonement. And they had all kinds, if you read, well, as, as you go through the Old Testament, if you actually read it, you'll see they had all kinds of offerings and sacrifices and, and went for things for when they sinned and things for when they felt like sinning and things for when they didn't even know if they sinned. Just in case they sinned, here's an offering. Because you had to atone to be right with God, and their desire was to be right with God. Amen? So the point was they always had to perform these things to make sure that they were right with God and to stay in his covering. They had peace offerings and sin offerings and guilt offerings and burnt offerings and grain offerings, and many of those involved animals. 
The point of them all was to have atonement, to, to have a, a sin covering. And the symbolism of animal sacrifice in the Bible is a concrete expression of God's justice and his grace at the same time. It reminded the Israelites of the serious nature of their sin and its consequences, not just for them as an individual, but for them as a community. Okay? So every book in the scriptures, though they were written years and years apart by different authors, the message is clear. God created us, he loves us, and he doesn't want there to be a separation from us, between us. And so the Old Testament shows us that through the first Adam, we inherited death. But through the second Adam, Jesus, we inherited righteousness. See, so Adam gave us sin debt, but Jesus covered it. I mean, if you just felt the weight of that for a moment. What he did for Adam, he does for me. What he did for Eve, he he did for you. He, He covered it. The distance between us was insurmountable, but God covered it. While we were yet sinners, he covered it. While we were still far off, he covered it. Wherever you stand today, the gap that exists between you and God, between you and God being reconciled, between you and God having a relationship, that gap has been covered. No matter where you sit today, no matter what your name is, no matter what family you came from, no matter what you've done, no matter what you did before you got here, no matter what you were thinking about four minutes ago during worship when everybody else had their hands lifted. That separation, that gap, God covered it. Now, I know the thought of these offerings, you know, I struggle with this because... (coughs) Sorry. The thought of these offerings are foreign to our, con- to our context, and they, and they sound barbaric, and they could even sound evil. But the imagery is so real and so tangible. I need you to really just kind of put that aside for a minute, because you can't really grasp the gospel without the concept of atonement. You still with me? The Jewish people had and still have a very special holy day. It's called the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur. Many of you know it because you're off. You don't work that day. <laughs> Look at, let, me, let me kind of just kind of unpack the beauty of that day, of that ritual. Once a year, the high priest attempts to atone for the sins of the people. Only the high priest could do it, and it can only be once a year. So the high priest himself had to be ritually clean. He had to wash a certain way. He had to wear certain clothes. He had to wear certain fabric. He had to do everything. He had to be ritually clean. And then he would go in uh, um, and he would bring two goats. And he would draw lots before the Lord. He would pray and he would draw lots before the Lord. And one goat would be the offering and the other would be the scapegoat. Watch this. Watch this. The first was offered up for the sins of the people. He was on the altar. He was sacrificed and his blood was spilled. And his blood cleansed. And then the second one, the the, the high priest would put his hands on the head of that goat and he would confess all of the sin and all of the rebellion and all of the wickedness, all the sins of the people. 
he would confess it on, onto the goat. And, so, and, then, and then that goat, the scapegoat, was released into the wilderness, carrying the sins of the people far from the people. So the first was offered up and, and the other one was, was let go. And so they had to do this every year to temporarily have their sins atoned for for the year. Now, when we look at the Day of Atonement in the light of the gospel, it, 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 watch this. The Old Testament tells us we need a high priest and two goats. The New Testament tells us Jesus was our high priest. Hebrews 4.14. The New Testament tells us Jesus was the lamb that was slain to take away the sins of the world, John 1.29. The New Testament tells us that Jesus was our scapegoat, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So everything that was needed to be done for the Day of Atonement, every year, Jesus did once and for all. There was a high price... But he covered it. But wait, there's more. Why did they have to draw lots? Right? So in that time, the, uh, in, in Old Testament time, you'll see it a couple of different places throughout the scriptures. They, whenever they needed to make a decision, they would draw lots. They, whoever got the shortest stick or whoever got the white stone amongst all the black stones, however, whatever. They would use that system to draw lots. Why? Because they believe that God is sovereign and so God is in control of all of this. And so God would make sure the one that he wanted would get the shortest stick. You understand? So watch. So even though both goats had to be perfect, both goats had to be healthy, they both had to be spotless and blemish free. The high priest, before entering into the altar of sacrifice, he prayed and then he drew lots between the two goats because what he was doing was leaving it up to God to choose which one was to die and which one was going to be set free. He left it up to God to decide which one was going to be killed and which one was going to be set free. That's not getting to you. See, our, our sin was great, but his love was greater. We had a sin debt that we could never pay, but he covered it. See, before we continue on in the Old Testament, I wanted you to give you that picture. I wanted you to see and have, understand the imagery and the horrific beauty of the gospel. So that you can truly be grateful for it. When I read and study through this history, I'm overwhelmed by the love of God. So many people read the Old Testament, they get turned off and terrified. It talks about this great, terrible day of the Lord and the day of judgment. But when the, the more I study it and I think, I say, what is man that you are mindful of him? And as we go from the Old Testament uh, and take the journey following God's people through toward the resurrection, all I see is every mistake I've ever made, every wrong turn I ever took, every bad decision I ever decided on, every act of rebellion, every unloving moment in my life, he covered it. 1 John 4 says, this is how God showed his love for us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. 
and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. My beloved ones, since God has loved us in this way, we also are obligated to love one another. See, God wants us to be at one with him. But God is so holy and we're so prone to sin that it would require a perfect, blameless offering. And so rather than require something of us that we can never provide, he covered it. And the, the pattern throughout the whole Old Testament was the need for offering and the making of atonement. It was a picture of that final, complete, and sufficient sacrifice of Christ. So that these sacrifices are no longer necessary, but the one true and perfect sacrifice. Interesting to know, the Jewish custom of offering uh, sacrifices stopped. They no longer do it. Even though they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, even though they don't believe that that the, the ultimate sacrifice has come, but they stopped doing the sacrifices because what's interesting to note is because they, they stopped doing it because their temple was destroyed. And so there was no altar. Everything had to be done a specific way. Right? It had to be done on the altar through this, through it had to be done a certain way. The the temple was destroyed, so the so so God's people Israel stopped doing the sacrifices. Interesting to know that the temple was destroyed in the same generation that Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. No, nobody sees the connection there. <laughs> Again, my, my hope and my prayer is that as we journey together. I kind of wanted to just take this pause today and before going on to other books, I wanted you to get this imagery right. Because I know the talk of sacrifice and the talk of that could sound so dark and and wicked, but it's so beautiful. So my hope and prayer is that as we journey together, no matter where you find yourself today, worship team, you guys can come up. The study of his word will, will bring us from here to there. Amen. From wherever you are today to the cross. And now as the, as the worship team comes, I want to, what I want to do today, it kind of happened already, but I, but I want to open the altars for you today. The New Testament doesn't talk about dead sacrifices. It talks about living ones. Paul says in Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers, In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, the word says. Now, Paul's first century readers knew all about offering a living sacrifice to be be killed. They knew all about the atonement for sin. And since the days of Abraham, the children of Israel have been symbolically transferring their sin to an unblemished animal, usually a lamb, and then sacrificing that animal's life as a propitiation for their sins, a substitute. But God always had a purpose in that picture. In Genesis 22, God asked Abraham... To sacrifice his son. If you haven't heard this story, this might be a little shocking to you, but Genesis 22, you guys go and read it. And Abraham was shocked. God had never required that of anybody. That wasn't a thing that our God did. 
And, 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 and Abraham was, in his mind, surely he was thinking, but God couldn't mean for me to take the life of my beloved son, this child of promise that I've waited so many years for, but God's answer didn't change. And so the word says the next day he gathered up his stuff and his son, and he head to the place of sacrifice. And as they traveled to the place, his son asked them, Hey, Dad, I see the fire and I see the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham answered, God Himself will provide the sacrifice. Come on, let's stand. He covered it. Just to end that story so nobody thinks that went a different way. There was, when they got to the place of sacrifice, God said, stop. And he looked to the side and there was a ram caught in the bush. We would say coincidence. God provided the sacrifice. The whole New Testament story. The whole New Testament story is that God provides the sacrifice. He covered it. So before we leave here today, can we just take the last couple of moments? And can we just offer our bodies as living sacrifices? Understand that God doesn't want you to go and you can't, don't go kill no chickens. That, that'll do nothing unless you're going to eat them, and then that's good. That's okay. You know, I used to be part of this dark cult, very common to our Spanish people. Espiritismo and Santeria. And in that, there's still, they use this imagery of the word to, to pervert and to darken. When I first became a Christian and I, people would tell me, you can't just leave that. You can't just walk away from that. They'll come after you. And you'll see. And, and, and so, you know, we, throughout the years, we've seen a lot of that come after me stuff. But I, I laugh, you know, because I lived, when I was in the cult, I lived in fear for a full year. Every night I would cry. 18, 19-year-old, almost grown man crying in his bed because I was so afraid. I was so scared. I lived in torment. Things in my room would move. My bed would shake. Things would, I lived in torment because I was in the middle of darkness and I was, I was in the darkness. And God was teaching me lessons there. The one day that God opened my eyes and God called me and he said, I didn't call you for that. And he took me out of darkness that one night I slept like a baby for the first time in over a year. And I've never been scared since. I'm not like bragging about that like I'm Mr. Macho or I ain't scared. No. I just, 
Understand, I'm, 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 I'm telling you, I cried like a baby. I used to call for my dad as a grown, you know, any 18-year-old here think they're a grown man, right? At 14, you think we're grown men, right? But so I'm confessing, I'm not bragging. I'm confessing to you that I cried like a little baby, like a little wuss, because I was so tormented and so afraid. But the, when I got the peace of God in my life, I never got scared again. I've been under attack. I've seen things. I've seen in my eyes. I still see the things sometimes that I used to see, which I don't wish on any of you. But I'm not scared no more because I know that that gap between me and God, he covered it. He covered it. Amen. So would you just come and let's worship and let's, let's offer up a living sacrifice. Listen, some of you have some things that have to die in you. This is a good opportunity to come kill them. Bring that thing to the altar today, symbolically. Don't grab your husband and bring him up here. Or your wife. But bring that thing in you that has to die, that habit, that that sin, that, that place where you always fall, that place where you always stumble, that thing you always go back to, that attitude, that hurt, that fear, that bitterness, that unforgiveness, whatever it is, bring that thing struggling. Let it fight. It'll fight you on the way here. It's fighting you right now. Grab it by the throat and bring it to the altar. And let's offer that thing up today. And let it be a living sacrifice so that you can be a living sacrifice. Let's let those things die. Amen? Come on, the price is paid. Let's go. Don't hesitate.
message man it just just rocked your world you know it, it, you've never heard it like this before and that's maybe because this is just an appointed time for you today to have heard it the way it was put and I want to give you the opportunity today to be to, to step into that 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 covering man to step under that covering and if you're here today, that atonement brought salvation. And I want to offer you that today. It's something that you got to grasp, something that you got to ask for yourself. I can't do it for you. Your mom, your father, it's something that you need to meet God. And you need to come before him. And you need to just drop everything. I want to pray with you today. I'm not asking you to come up. I'm not even asking you to raise your hand right now. I'm just asking you to lift up your heart and close your eyes. Holy Spirit, and God will see and he'll do the rest. But I'm just asking you to pray with me. If this is you here today and you need Jesus, you want to fall under this covering. Father, I'm here and I need you. I understand the sacrifice and the price that was paid for my life. And even though I know I deserved everything that was coming for me, you stepped in the place, Lord. You close that gap. And today I realize, Lord, that I need you. And I'm a 
a sinner and I need your forgiveness, Lord. Accept me, accept me into the family, Lord. I want to fall under the covering. I want to lay under the shadow of your wings, Lord. Lord, I need you in my life. Cleanse me of all my sin, all my unrighteousness, every iniquity, Lord. Your blood did it all for me, and I accept you now. That's it. If you said that prayer, welcome to this family. Now, together, the congregation, together, family, we're going to sing the rest of the song. And I want you to sing it with your heart. And if you're here and you've known Jesus and you've said that prayer many, many years ago, but you've been struggling and you've been fighting just to come back, well, this song, this is going to be your declaration that I am giving everything over to you, Lord. You deserve everything and nothing less. This will be your declaration to come back home. Hallelujah, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. Father, have your way. Everything and nothing less. Somebody say, everything say, say everything and nothing less. How the holy place. 
every burden Every sin is taken away through to get to this place in their life you don't know what they've been saved from you don't know what god has delivered some from and sometimes all you have left in you is to cry because words can't express